Hello and welcome to episode three of Retrospection. My name's Colin and I'm in New York. I'm with my friend Paul. And I'm in Reading in the UK. And in each podcast, we take a specific film or TV show and see if they were better back then or whether it's just naughty nostalgia playing tricks with us. Before we actually move into our film and TV show that we may be talking about today, uh, any retro finds or anything interesting happened to you over the last few weeks? Uh, no retro finds as such, but I did attend a con recently. So this is the one in Guildford? <laughs> is it actually called just the Guildford Con, or does it have a fancy title? It's called the Guildford Comic... Guild... Guildford? Guildford Comic Con. Okay. It was only a little kind of thing right because i attended the um the london film and comic con um a few weeks before and that was a huge thing right um but this was just a just a kind of a one room thing at a it was, i mean it was a big room it was at a leisure center but it was it was it was good it had a big dealer's room and there were a few guests uh, that you could you could meet and um lots of cosplay people yeah it was really fun yeah um, it looked like there was a lot packed in there. There was indeed. It was very packed. Um, I got to sit in uh, Kit, funnily enough. And who is she? <laughs> she She's the... Uh, um, <laughs> I can't say what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> she She's the lady from one of our previous episodes that we talked about. Okay. Yeah, I got to sit in her, had my picture taken in her, um, and it was apparently it was a, a an actual one that, that that they used in the show. Seriously? Yeah, it was. An, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a replica. It was. It was one of the actual kits that they had. Are you sure you weren't being hard? I don't know, but it looked like it had been beat. I mean, it really. How did it find its way to Guildford or even England? Well, they're um, they're, they're a company. I can't remember the name of the company, but they they um, lease out actual screen uh, vehicles from movies and TV shows for private functions and things. And they've obviously managed okay. to pick up these props over the years and buy them. And then they, they, they make money off, off them, you know. Um, right. But it, from the looks of it, it looked like David Hasselhoff had been sat in it. I mean, it was... <laughs> it was full of beer stains, <laughs> burger stains. Massive dent in the seat, you know. <laughs> I, I saw some pictures and it, it looked pretty cool, actually. It was, it was. yeah. All, all, the, all the stuff was in there, all the, uh, the turbo boost and uh, cruise control button was in there. I checked. I checked particularly for that one. That was there, you know. And um, they, had, they they obviously fitted in screens where the screens were in the TV show so that it looked, right. the interior looked more like it. But you could tell what had been added and what was original, you know. But, yeah, it, it was kind of cool to sit there and, and hold the controls and feel like Hasselhoff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want to feel like Hasselhoff? <laughs> Maybe not the day after. Yeah, and, I, and my trousers weren't tight enough. Who's that? I know, I know. So that was good, and got to meet a f- couple of people. Um, Nicola Bryant, that played Perry in the original Doctor Who series. I'm sure you're familiar with her no, work. Who is she? <clears throat> she was. She was there for the dads. She was there for the dads. 
<laughs> she okay. was indeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In her pink lycra, um, uh, what? It's not a onesie. What? What were they called? I I don't know. I'm not up on my '80s women's fashion. <laughs> <laughs> leotard. That's okay. the word. Leotard. leotard. All right. She wasn't wearing that on the day, unfortunately. Well, I think it's my favourite Who assistant. She's my second favourite because obviously my favourite one is the late great um, Liz Sladen that played Sarah right. Jane. But but uh, no, Nicola Bryant was probably up there as my second one, and um, she was really nice. It was just it was just kind of sad because I mean you've been to these things I and mean, you you you've seen these people sitting at these tables. Yeah, and yeah. It's kind of a cattle market, isn't it? You know, the... if it's a multi-discipline con with lots of different shows, you always get the one actor that no one's going to see. And I, and it seems that luckily for me, Nicola Bryant was the one that no one wanted to see because I was the only one standing there. I'd be first in line. I'd be, I'd be there pushing you out of the way. <laughs> Security. <laughs> Well, the really sad thing was that she was sat next to Colin Baker, who was her doctor, and um, he had a massive queue. He had a massive waistline as well, but he also had a massive queue. She was just sitting there on her own, and I, I just kind of wandered over and said, "Hello, could I um, could I have a, an autograph, please?" And she said, "She said, of course you can, sweetheart." <laughs> <laughs> At which point you melted? No, at which point she pointed to the photographs on the table and she said, the photographs are £15, is that OK? She actually said, is that OK? We're going to haggle with like, it. You're like, well, I'll give you a fiver. <laughs> but I said, I was like, aw. <laughs> so I said, yeah, that's fine. And then she she took out one of those metal tins with the lids that people keep petty cash in. OK. She had it under the table. And she lifted it out and put it onto the table, put a little key in, opened it up. <laughs> so I gave her a £20 note and she said, you haven't got the exact change, have you? Did you get out of the bus? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. So she's scrambling together to try and give me £5 change. And she signs it and um, she says to me, oh, have you come far? And I said, no, I've come from Reading, blah, 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 blah. And my little boy came and wandered over next to me and, and he was dressed in full kylo ren outfit from star wars and he had the mask on and she said oh who's this and i said oh this is my little boy and she said oh i bet your face is prettier than the mask so he lifted the mask up and, and i thought i'm in here i'm in using <laughs> <laughs> you, your son as a stooge i'm not uh, you you know me i'm i'm not i'm not above doing that so um i said to her i said could i have a selfie and she said yes I only asked that maybe you make a donation to my favourite charity. And then she pulled out from under the table another thing, which was one of those charity pots. Okay. I didn't even look what the charity was. It's terrible, really. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, of course. And I said, I gave her back the five that she'd just given me <laughs> from the change. So, so I gave her this five and I had a couple of selfies with her and that, and she squeezed my bum. So there you go. Ah, worth, worth $15 in anybody's money. I paid more for that. Trust I keep me. saying dollars. I mean pounds. Real money. So uh, apparently you you uh, you went to a con recently as well, didn't you? Yeah, I went to uh, Star Trek Mission. Mission New York, I think is what they called it. Um, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was a, obviously a celebration of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. It was at the Jarvis Center, which is a massive building, convention center in New York, where most different conventions are held. Um, there was a lot of stalls inside, uh, a lot of panels. It was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. There was an interesting Wrath of Khan panel where they showed some behind-the-scenes photographs and talked about the making of the film. And did you know, I didn't know this, but 
The opening weekend box office for Rafa Khan was bigger than Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. But then I suppose that if you look at how well the motion picture did... Yeah, I guess so. Although you, I suppose you could argue that that film was so boring that it probably could have put most people off from seeing a sequel. But... Could have been, but not Trek fans. No, because we're, 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 we'll sit through any old shit, won't we? <laughs> that is true. That is true. We've seen Star Trek <laughs> Nemesis. Absolutely. It's still better than Insurrection. <laughs> um, so no that was fucking, good. There's no singing in that, trust me. There was a nice uh, Deep Space Nine reunion. So who was at the reunion? Oh, um, gosh, you're asking for names now? How dare you? I am uh, Michael. You can't give me real names. Give me character, character names. Character names. You know I'm not a huge Deep Space yeah, Nine but... fan. I've just started rewatching it. Worf was there. Michael Dawn. Major Kira. Nana Visitor. I thought she wasn't there. No, she was there. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was there. Oh, very nice. Terry Farrell was there. I, I can't remember her character's name off the top of my head. She, she was the yeah. one that had something living inside her, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, the, the trill. That was it, the, the sexually transmitted disease. I, I don't remember it being referred to that on the programme, but... That's how I like to remember it. So. Okay. Oh, the kid who played... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember his name. The actor's name is Sirach. Cisco played... Jr., Yes, Cisco Jr., there thank you. I remember his name. He was the... Um, Cisco not there, then? No, it was Avery Brooks. <laughs> so, so the main guy wasn't there? From what I gather, Avery Brooks is a bit above this kind of thing. Put it this way, the actors said that they referred to him as Mr. Brooks when on set. Really? Yeah. I suppose when you've done Spencer Hire, then, you know, you... That's it, that's it. Forget the fact that, you know, Armin Shimmerman and... The guy who plays Odo has been in everything else. I mean, he was in MASH. And the guy that played Quark was in Beauty and the Beast. Right, he was there. Um, and Shimmerman. He was very, he was always, yeah, he's always at cons, don't <laughs> <laughs> And the guy who played Odo, Rene, is it Aubergine? I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but okay. That's how I pronounce it. <laughs> Fine, but do you believe there's an STD in one of the characters? So. We're not going with your she's got She's got stuff on her face and she's got something living inside her stomach. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Good so luck editing this later. <laughs> and I also discovered another fact. Michael Dawn has been in the most episodes of Star Trek than any other actor. Well, he was even in um, original Trek movie as well, wasn't he? Which one? Undiscovered Country. Oh, yeah, Undiscovered Country, you're right. He, yes, he was a granddaddy. Trial. Yeah, so he's in that, he's in every TNG episode, and he's in a good chunk of DS9. So he's the one that's done the most Star Trek. Oh, you, you could argue that maybe he had the most bills to pay? Could be, could be. He did, he did say when someone asked him any advice for anybody new who's going to appear in the new Star Trek Discovery series, he said, don't buy anything big for the first three years. <laughs> that's good advice. It is. It's very good advice. I think well, good. after the three years, you're fine. Apparently, he own, he owns an airplane now. Really? Yeah, he's a pilot. Wharf Airlines. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> better than better than Klingon Airlines. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never get rid of that stain, would you? <laughs> no, no. Everybody, Klingon. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. Yeah. So it was a good con and. Uh, I, I discovered a new collectible that I wish I hadn't. Oh, that's God. It's going to drain me. <laughs> Do you need any more? Well, I'm going to have to... For, for, any, for, for anyone listening, 
Colin is, is um, a connoisseur of collectibles. Mm, stick a number on it, say limited edition, and I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> it's your crack, isn't it, is what you're saying? Yeah, it is, literally. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to let some go to let this one come in, I think. So I discovered uh, Eagle Moss's uh, die-cast models of Star Trek ships. So I'm going to start collecting those. Are they the ones that came with the magazines? Yeah, they come with a magazine. Um, magazine comes out every month, but you can buy them online as well because I don't think I want every single one. No, no. And it's expensive. It's like $40 for two magazines a month. Yeah, and those magazines are a bit shitty as well, aren't they, usually? Yeah, there's a lot of... They're aimed at die, they, the proper dyed-in-the-wool Trek people. Yeah, they, like they know? treat the ships as if they're real. Yeah, yeah. With lengths and... We, crew capacity and then at the end it has a small making of like how they were designed which is the stuff i'm interested in yeah we we still live in the real world just about clinging to it we're clinging cling, to cling it. on cling on to it clinging on that's the one yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um the models are nice i quite like them. yeah they look really nice yeah yeah you sent me you sent me a few pictures of, of some of them and yeah i'm kind of jealous actually yeah. well they co- it comes out in the uk i know it, but i'm you know i <sighs> And they do Doctor Who ones. I'm Very well, nice uh, Doctor Who the, models. See, the thing is, I've got so many Doctor Who figures already. I can't justify getting any more. You know, I, I, I don't think my marriage could cope with it. So, <laughs> but, but weren't you collecting micro machines? Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, then, then, then get rid of the micro machines and replace it with these. Well, yeah, but I've only just started the micro machines. I've Good got to, time to quit. Yeah, but I've got. I can't do that. I've got to grow into it before I quit then it. I'll you know, sell them off. Move on to this one. You've got to hit rock bottom before you climb back up. Okay. <laughs> so I've got up in a t-shirt somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably gonna. I'm going to figure out what I need to let go, and maybe the Lego needs to go away. How about you've got some really great Lego? I mean, uh, I was looking at your picture that you sent me of your Ghostbusters Lego, and my my son at the moment, he's all about the Ghostbusters. He loves it. You know there's a Lego Ghostbusters fire station? Oh, yes, he's he's well aware of that, yeah. It's it's really expensive. I know it is. (laughs) Uh, at the yeah. minute, he's he he's all about the movie, the originals. Although he, he did like he did like the remake. I pretend I didn't hear that. As did I. But... Definitely pretending I didn't hear that. <laughs> and he's playing the the old um, PlayStation Three game from a few years ago at the moment. Yeah, I've been playing the old Xbox Three Sixty. It's the same game, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Yeah, he's it's, playing it at yeah. the moment as well. He's he's about halfway through it all by himself. Oh, and he loves it. Right. You know, I'm not halfway through it. <laughs> so he, he's all he's all about the Ghostbusters, and I showed him the picture that you showed me of the um, the Ecto is it Ecto One? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was he was really jealous. He really wanted it. Wait, you can buy it in the UK, right? I'm, Still, I'm not. I'm not going to spend money on my son. I can spend it on myself. <laughs> <sighs> He's got enough stuff. He needs to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lay about. All he does all day is eat. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he sounds very much like you. <laughs> oh, low blows already. Except he doesn't drink. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Moving on, I guess, quickly. I wanted to point out uh, a Blu-ray I did also pick up. I imported it from the UK. 
and it's a network's release of Invasion UFO. Oh, the movie? Yes. I always forget about the movie. I always forget that there was actually a movie, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, What it is is Jerry Anderson's first live-action TV show was called UFO, and it was about aliens invading Earth and the planet being defended by a secret organisation. But to sell the show in Europe and the USA, they edited six episodes together and Mm -hmm. made a film version. But this was only ever released on videotape. Controversially, Network, who are releasing this Blu-ray, have made it widescreen rather than panned and scanned or square like the TV episodes would be. So are you losing some picture there or have they... You're losing the top and bottom bit sections. Mm -hmm. And people are upset about it. Personally because I'm going to get the episodes anyway, as they should be seen. I'm not that bothered that this is like this. To me, this is like a, a, a taster, a promo. Yeah. It, it isn't that expensive anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I was quite excited to get this. I'll probably buy that as well, actually. Now that I, didn't, I didn't even know that was out. So It's 10 quid in, on network. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely so. get that, yeah. Yeah, and then they're going to do the series later this year, comes out. Oh, nice. So I haven't watched it yet, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and seeing that. So let's move on to our chosen film for this podcast. Retrospection. So our chosen film today is The Car from 1977. Um, the synopsis is a mysterious black car terrorizes a small town and only the local sheriff can stop it. And it stars James Broling, which my iPad has retyped as Broiling. <laughs> uh, and he is broiling in this. So it's good job I remembered. As Sheriff Wade Perrant. And then Kathleen Lloyd as Lauren, R.G. Armstrong as Amos, and John Marley as Everett. We've also uh, got Ronnie Cox as well. As? Luke. Luke, okay. Now, I've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. This is a first watch for me, but apparently it's a film that you've seen many times and you quite enjoy. I do like this movie quite a lot, I have to say. Can you remember the first time you saw it? It probably would have been um, kind of mid-80s. I was probably about 11. Probably too young to watch it, but I I used to always watch... I think we've talked about this before. I used to always watch horror movies with my mum. She was the person that got me into Hammer, and um, the first time I ever saw something like Halloween was with my mum. And this was one of those movies, and... I always remember it, it stuck with me. There, there's certain scenes in, in this film that I can always recall and, and, and think on, you know, and because they're, they're, I think there's some pretty powerful scenes in this film, you know, for, for a small child anyway, so... Yeah, I guess. 11 years old, I would mm-hmm. imagine. And what was the certificate on it, do you know? I would imagine that at the time, it, I mean, it would have been an Exa. Exa, I would have thought. An I would have thought so, yeah. Really? Horror films are usually X, oh, okay. aren't they? Might as well just get into the film then. Mm-hmm. So it begins with a quote from the founder of the Church of Satan. Oh, is that who that was? Absolutely. Yeah, so so instantly you know what you're getting into. I, I wrote the quote down and then I just thought, oh, he's going to look it up, so I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up, but I didn't write the quote down. Ah, well, see, we're working in tandem, <laughs> though, you see? Yeah. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, and so the music is pretty ominous, and then it has the weird coloring that it starts off with, which I kind of like. I like the coloring technique at the beginning, but it doesn't carry that through the whole thing. I think they use it spurringly and in places where it matters, particularly when you're looking... When it's the view from the car. Yeah, the view from the car, you know, to suggest sort of demonic possession kind of thing. Because this is clearly, you know, an amalgam of, of things like, you know, The Exorcist and um, Jaws in particular, I think. Oh, it's totally Jaws yeah. ripoff. I mean, it comes from the same studio two years after Jaws. That's, that's the whole Guys with cigars sitting around the table going, mm, we need to think up something that's kind of like Jaws, but is a little bit different. How about a car? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, they went, look, we, we really don't want to film on water again because that's a nightmare. Absolutely. What about the desert? There's no water there. It's as far as you can get from the sea. Okay. And we'll no rubber it. either. Yeah, yeah, right? So uh, it's very, very much uh, a Jaws ripoff. That doesn't, that's not a bad thing. Not at all, no. I'm just no, pointing out that it is. So we begin with two bicyclists mm-hmm. cycling along the canyon, and they're followed by a mysterious black car down the road. At the bridge, the car proceeds to crush one cyclist against the wall and ram the other from behind, causing him to fall off the bridge. At first I was like, oh, this screaming's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you die more quietly, Wouldn't please? you scream? No, I'd be like, oh, this appears to be this car approaching from behind. Mm. So You're <laughs> so British for the guy that's lived in New York for how many years now? <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen. <laughs> I think this opening sequence is fantastic. It's shot fantastically. It, it's... It looks beautiful, and the car's really menacing. You really get a sense of the fact that the car is a character in this movie, I think. Right, and it's helped by the music, which is very Jaws-like. I just point that out. You, you, the, the music was done by, um, I believe it's uh, Leonard Roseman, who also did the music okay. for Star Trek Four, I do believe. The most unloved of Star Trek uh, scores, from what I gather. <laughs> You're just like Mr. Wikipedia yeah. today. Yeah, and if you listen to the, if you actually go back and watch this movie again, which you should, this you'll find loads and loads of of references from if you if you listen to Star Trek Four, it's the same. It's like he recycled the whole score in places. That happens a lot. Well, John, the great John Williams does it every time. So I I didn't notice, but then I haven't seen this as much as you have. Clearly. So then we're introduced to James Brolin mm-hmm. and Catherine Lloyd, who at first I found a little too quirky for my liking. She's, she's clearly meant to be um, very likable and sweet and cuddly, but also she's, you know, she's, she's, she can grab a, a few balls when she needs to. Yeah, and in the parlance of the time, she's spunky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do that again. Yeah. Chocolate. We're English. That means something completely different to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's that line that it's impossible to brush your teeth without wiggling. Absolutely. Your ass. And then she, and then he accuses um, her of leaving her on the soap. I mean, what her are we talking about? And I'll probably mention it again later. The characters in this film are surprisingly not well developed, but. And I don't want to use the word quirky again, but that's what they are. They're quirky. There's always something odd about it. But, but, and we'll get to this, there's a reason for that, I think, which goes to the whole purpose of, of what the car is about, is the fact that this town where these people live 
everybody's got something that's kind of a secret or something that they're not proud of. You know, you've got you've got Ronnie Cox's character who's a closet alcoholic who and and also could slightly be gay, and he's ashamed of it because he's you know he gets upset when he finds out that the cyclist, one of the cyclists that died, he knew him. He was a young guy that he knew. And is this? An interpretation. No, this is in the movie. This is in the movie. This is in the movie. This is something you. Yeah, no, this is. Did you? Yeah, I know that's. I know the cyclist thing is in the movie, but your interpretation of that. Well, I mean, it's all there. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got, you know, you've got the which we'll get to in a minute. The the scene with the the bad wife and the husband, and you've got the sheriff who has a thing for the battered wife later on in the movie. Yeah. So everybody's got little things, and this car's coming to punish everyone. Wow. So I I have to be honest, I didn't see all that, and that's interesting. That's actually... I like that. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You've watched this way too many times. <laughs> oh, indeed. <Yeah. laughs> so then we go to... Uh, the Hitchhiker, who is played by the crazy like a fox guy. John. Oh, is that who that guy was? Yeah, yeah. At first I'm watching, I'm going, Steve Gutenberg? Steve Gutenberg's <laughs> in this film? Wow! And then I'm like, no, no, that's not, that's that other guy who looks like Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg wishes he was in this film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg wishes he was in any film. Um, but yeah, it's the crazy like a fox guy, the TV show, crazy like a fox. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's the French horn guy. See, and this is what I was talking about. Okay, you make him a hitchhiker, fine. Why make him a French horn player? Why not? But that's, that's, what, that's what I like about this film, is that they do that. They could have made him guitarist, acoustic guitarist, because, you know, it's 1977, guitars are in, mm-hmm. but they made him a French horn player. Who sat around and went, what instruments do we choose for this person? <laughs> it's a very odd thing to do, but it's good. So anyway, he's hoping to get a ride. You know that he's got a backstory in his head. Why the uh, actor himself? He prepared the this actor backstory. himself. He's got a as to what because we, we we don't know why he's got that French horn, but you know that he knows why he's got that. So French what's horn. his secret? I mean, I, his, assume, I assume the car kills him because he insults the car. He insults the driver. I thought the car killed him because he was playing a French horn. Who, who the fuck wants to listen to a French horn? French people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is French horn really French? Uh, if you know, yeah, if you never heard when it plays, it's got a little French accent to its sound. <laughs> <laughs> wow, slightly racist, but okay. <laughs> I'm English. I'm allowed. I'm, I'm allowed You're allowed to French jokes. French. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right, so he, he insults the car, and then the car runs him down. But it doesn't run him down. St- straight away does it? it it stops has a think but when it does run him down it makes sure that he's run down because oh, yeah, yeah, it goes over him a few times <laughs> but before he's killed there is that great line about uh, I'll shove that French arm up your ass and you'll be 30 music for a year <laughs> yeah. and then he's like 30 music for a year how great would that be <laughs> that old guy that old guy who's in everything playing the, the abusive husband he's great as Amos, I.G. Armstrong. What, he's, he's fantastic. What else has he been uh, he, in? I, the, the, the only thing that popped in... I've seen him in loads of stuff, I know I have, but the only thing that popped into my mind was that um, there was a, a an obscure TV show from the early 90s, maybe late 89, 90, based on Friday the 13th. 
Oh, okay. And it was kind of like based around a, a cursed, uh, cursed objects in a in a antique shop. Ah, wow, like Warehouse Thirteen. A bit like that. He yeah. was, yeah, very much like that actually. Okay. And he was the owner who was who'd made a pact with the devil. And he was only in the pilot, and yeah, that's what I remember him from. Right. And he was exactly the same in that, you know, the whole <laughs> all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Great impression. It was yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's like he was in the room. I almost turned. I was scared. <laughs> You should be. <laughs> <laughs> so then the local sheriff's office is called, mm-hmm. uh, and they mm-hmm. get a lead on the car. It has no license plate, according to Amos, after he sees it run over the hitchhiker. He does, yes, he does. I, I do think um, also, did you notice that in the scene before that, when Captain Perrant is taking his children, Captain Perrant, children? Yeah. Is he a captain? He's a captain. His okay. name's Captain Wade Perrant. Okay. Yeah. They He's have listed as sheriff on IMDb. No, because the sheriff is the older guy. Right. He's he's actually the captain. Okay. And um, you can t- you see I, I know this movie. He he has a conversation with his two children. We should mention he's got two kids, two little girls. Right. And they're questioning whether he should get married again to to Lauren, his girlfriend. And he seems more concerned with the fact that they're going to uphold the chores around the house as opposed to whether it's important whether he gets married again. You know, he said, you're still going to take out the garbage, aren't you? You're still going to, like, hoover the floors and and do all this if I, if I actually get married again. I mean, you're not going to rely on this other woman who's going to come in and do it. You know, he's, uh, that's his main concern, which I think is perfectly justified, you know. You've got to make sure that your children... <laughs> as a father, you, as a father, you know, you want to make sure that your kids are going to, you know, keep up their side of the bargain, you know. So they go back to the sheriff's office, and we discovered mm-hmm. that, and you have to remind me the character's name, that he's an alcoholic. Luke. Luke is an alcoholic. But it's funny because he sneaks out to drink, right? Yeah, because he's supposed to have kicked the booze for two years now, hasn't he? But they're all going to the bar anyway later. Yeah, but he doesn't go, does he? But he gets invited. True, but maybe it's you know, a test of character all right. for him. He could have just gone and got drunk there. Did, did, you, hear the, <laughs> did you hear the drink that Captain um, Wade Perrant told them to order for him at the bar? I don't remember it. What was it? This is a guy who's a captain in a sheriff's office in a, a little town in the Utah desert. Right. And he tells them to order him a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it was a Friday night. <laughs> I don't want to know what he gets up to on his Friday nights. Friday nights is G&T night. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, mm. what, I, that's what this film's good at, is these weird little... Idiosyncrasies. Did you notice that that uh, Ronnie Cox's character Luke is always playing with his little crucifix that he's got around his neck? Yes, I did. Yes, which mm-hmm. comes important later in this for his explanation of the car. He's the guy that figures it out. Yeah, isn't he? yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that night, uh, an apparent bid to kill Amos. Mm-hmm. The car instead runs over the sheriff. It does. Yeah. Um, this leaves. Wade parents in charge, and during the investigation, I witnessed the accident state, so there's no driver inside the car, this old Native American lady. 
Yeah, and she doesn't she say that something about the the car didn't have any driver, and he doesn't translate it for him. That's, right. The, the, That's right. The the other officer who's also a native american she says that that's what the old lady claimed Mm -hmm. i think it's interesting having native americans in it because it gives that kind of spiritual part of the land kind of vibe but also the old lady reminds me of the mother in krampus exactly yeah it's it's very it's very stereotypical of a certain kind of people isn't it yeah if you know what i'm yeah they're they're more in tune yeah yeah because they're more in tune with nature. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was interesting. I like that. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, as I say, this this movie approaches everything from a very off kilter kind of way. It doesn't it doesn't do it in a very straightforward studio, you know, the way that you would imagine it to be to be done. You know, right. it's it's very. It, it gives it it gives it a little bit of substance in places where you wouldn't imagine there to be any. I think at times. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like it's like the scene previous to that with the um, with Lauren when she's uh, having the 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 flute off with the people under the tree. Right, right. I forgot about that. And then you're introduced to the other teacher, you know? Margie. Who, heck of a teacher. Who, who obviously doesn't yeah. like her. Yeah, and she has the great line. No, where Margie's she says, a friend. Do you think? Not not the one. Yeah, in charge. She, Margie. No, the other. I'm talking about the, okay. the head teacher right, that right. comes and and shows her the picture that one of the boys has drawn right. of her. With her, you know, bum and everything showing, and she says this great thing to her. She says, "Do you think it's healthy for a thirteen-year-old boy to think about his teacher naked?" <laughs> that did oh, make me laugh. Brought back memories. <laughs> it did indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I thought of you actually. I thought, yeah. <laughs> wait, what do you mean by that? That sounds so wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I was 13 years old. I went to school with you. I know what you were thinking when you were 13 years old, and I know who you were thinking about. So, <laughs> What do you think of Margie? She's the friend of Lauren's, the other teacher. Oh, um, Luke's sister. Oh, is, is it Luke's sister? I didn't even realise that. Yeah, yeah. She's Ronnie Cox's sister. Yeah. She's a heck of a teacher. Yeah, and what what are you basing uh, that on? Uh, uh, credentials. What, both of them. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, she's she's an interesting teacher. So after the flute off, they have a discussion about whether the marching band rehearsal should be cancelled or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not cancelled. Because There's... it's meant to be cancelled, isn't it? Right. But Luke, who who's a f- useless fuck. That's a bit harsh. No, no. Um, Luke's supposed to uh, call in and postpone it, isn't he? But obviously, because he's drunk, he doesn't. Right. So the band rehearsal takes starts to take place. There's a, a really cool bit I like is when there is a cop on a, a little high up and he's watching the band. And he's supposed to be looking around the scenery and seeing if the mm-hmm. car is coming to attack. And you see the cop looking. And then in the background, you see a flash of light. Mm-hmm. And it's not, no attention's drawn to it whatsoever. It's just a flash of light. Mm-hmm. I, I really like mm-hmm. that. I thought that was cool. Because you know as the audience that, oh, that's the car. That's a reflection of its windshield. Exactly. It's coming. Is that, but is, is that the sun reflecting off the windshield? Or is that the car suddenly coming into being? Oh, mm-hmm. I had never thought of that. I just thought it was... Really, I, I've always thought... Car, yeah, 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 the car is a supernatural... 
Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Because obviously later on we get to a we we have a scene later on where we I don't want to jump ahead, but we have a scene later on where the car transports itself in a big flash of light. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's like, what? Are you sure? How many beers do you have? Uh, <laughs> so uh, the car enters the town and attacks the school matching banners it's rehe- rehearsing at the local shock round. I mean, who doesn't like, who hates a, who, I don't blame the car for attacking a brass band. Well, I mean, this Jesus. is it. It attacked a French horn player. Now it's attacking a matching band. It hates brass instruments. He does indeed. That's his yeah. problem. He does. That's all it can. There is in the in the universe. There is another cast somewhere just chasing bagpipe players. Is that the sequel? <laughs> yeah, that's the sequel. Uh, and, and by the time we get to the fifth one, it's kazoo's. Yeah, it works its way down. <laughs> the the triangle guys are just going. Oh, so lucky so far. It's 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 the order of uh, diminishing returns for sequels. Yes, beautiful. That's how it works. Yeah. So it enters the town, attacks the school marching band, and it chases mm-hmm. the group of teachers and students into a cemetery. But the car won't enter. This is the, the, the first time we get any kind of clear indication that this is a supernatural event, right. really, don't we? Because and then lo- it won't enter the cemetery. And Lauren starts to taunt it. She does, and, and frankly, I think she's quite rude, actually. Well, if I was with her, I'd be like, will you shut that up and just... Sit down, because you're really antagonist. Because no one knows why it's not going to just burst forwards and attack everybody. Yeah, because she's like, get out of the car and show us who you are, you stinking pussy, and all this kind yeah. of stuff. Like, she, well, you know? Knock it off. <laughs> Calm down. And, and this car, the car is is the car. I think we should refer to it from now on as the car, right. because it's a character. Okay. The car is kind of like revving backwards and forwards and yeah. doing backflips and stuff. Uh, it, <laughs> it knocks like gate post down. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be like, hey, lady, knock it off. If you want to get killed, fine. Just don't drag us into it. She's, she's taunting it more and more as the scene goes on. Yeah, she gets really crazy with it. She doesn't stop. Uh, she's enjoying herself. She doesn't. She doesn't get an outlet like this very often. I don't. Know. <laughs> is that what it is? It's just. It's just a <laughs> night out. I mean, the the biggest thing for her is leaving a pube on the soap. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and painting painting bad portraits that we'll oh, see later yeah. on. <laughs> I, we'll get to that. Um, so, Margie managed to sneak to another car and radioed the police, who turn mm-hmm. up with the sirens on. <laughs> yeah, and the car hears them and goes, <laughs> "Sod this, I'm off." Yeah. To be honest, though, if I was one of those policemen, I'd be like, you know what? Put the siren on. By the time we get there, maybe it's gone. <laughs> There'll be nothing for us to do. Well, considering that you've seen this car like just run people down in the middle of the street, and it clearly doesn't give a care of monkeys if it, it runs down, you'd be like, well, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and then we get uh, a car chase with some speeded up footage. And that's a weird... 60s 70s thing isn't it the the speeded up car chase thing yeah i mean loved by every james bond film of that period i, I know but it completely pulls you out of it yeah it's hard i think it's like how fast were they going in the first place were they really not going fast enough that it didn't look good anyway exactly exactly and have you noticed that sort of take a sidestep and digress that in the 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 most recent bond blu-rays they've kind of tweaked it so it doesn't look as bad as it used to 
I hadn't noticed. I have to go back and look. That's you. That's no, they don't. They've, they've kind of messed around with it digitally, so it doesn't quite look as, as bad. Speeded up as it used to. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, this the the stuff in the car. The thing is that the, the, it's intercut with shots where there it's not speeded up. Yeah. Right. And those shots look perfectly fine. Yeah. It's like, why did you bother? Mm. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I don't. I don't like that speeded up thing. I don't like it in car chases, and I don't like it in fights when they do it as well. It's worse in fights because people look like they're moving at about 100 mile an hour, don't yeah. they? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so the police chase it uh, through the highways and the desert before it starts to turn on them, and it starts destroying several of the cars, which mysteriously... It pushes one car off the edge of a... Which explodes cliff. before it's even gone over the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Just bursts into flames for no reason. And it's, it's kind of a callback to Knight Rider, really, that, isn't it? Before it's time. Right. Yeah, cars used to explode in Night Rider all the time for no reason. So. That's true. There is actually another callback to Night Rider, but we'll talk about that at the end as well. Wow. Um, is this? I think you've got to link every everything. Everything has got to be linked to Night Rider. This one's very loose, though. <laughs> well, as opposed to the last link, yeah. in the previous episode. <laughs> so, at this point, he's weighed on a motorbike. He is indeed. Yes. Why? Why did he choose a motorbike? That seems like the most dangerous form of transport to face against a large car. He's a car. tough guy, isn't he? He's a tough guy that drinks gin and tonics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, what are you going to drive? You're going to drive a, you can drive a hog, aren't you? Yes. you know? So he confronts the car in like a Mexican standoff and shoots at it, but none of his bullets do any damage to the windshield. And that's a great tires. scene, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a good scene. That's a great yeah. scene. Because you really feel like it's two characters facing off against each other. Right, no, totally. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, you start to forget that the car must be driven by somebody and you start to think that the car is the entity itself at this point. Mm-hmm. Especially because he tries to open the door and you realise there are no door handles. And I didn't know, and do you know what? I've seen this movie a million times and I only noticed it on this sitting when he, it only occurred to me that there aren't any door handles on this car at all. And that's a really, really neat little detail i think yeah it is you know, that tells you that there's something not quite right about this this car yeah. you know so then the car manages to knock he opens, way the, door, down. He opens he? the door and it knocks way out and, and go... it transports out so it... in a big flash of light oh right so see i thought the flash of light was just him being knocked out is what he saw before he'd been knocked out but you're saying that's the car well i mean if you want to look at it the boring kind of way <laughs> okay. i've i <laughs> I have never seen somebody read so much into a film before. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, the last movie that we did was one that you really liked. So okay, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. It's uh, it's that's what you want to think. That's what happens. So the car magically transports away, mm-hmm. and Wade wakes up in hospital, mm-hmm. and he learns that you know five of his colleagues have been killed. Um, mm-hmm. The car hasn't been captured; it's just disappeared. And Ronnie, Ronnie Cox, Luke is—he's—he's he's really on the verge of losing it now. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Because but he comes up with the the he 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 works it out, doesn't he? He he comes up with the reason why this car is not being apprehended. Was that at this point, or was it later after? Yeah, it's in the it's in the, in hospital. the hospital. Okay, and mm-hmm. it, and they learn that the car cannot. Enter hallowed ground and mm-hmm. yeah. So then Lauren goes home, doesn't she? Lauren goes home with 
uh, one of the officers, who then goes to check on his family and leaves Lauren alone. She makes a phone call. And then while she's in a house, we see through the windows the lights of the car. And we start to hear the noise of the car, which is, I, I like this scene mm-hmm. as well. So do I. This was one of the scenes when I said, you know, I said to you that I saw this as a kid. Yeah. Uh, this is always one of the scenes that, that, I mean, I didn't see this film for years after I saw it as a kid. And then I reconnected with it a couple of years ago and I bought it on Blu-ray. And possibly, probably the only scene that really re- I remembered was this scene. And it really stuck out in me because I remember at the time when I watched it as a kid, this scene really freaked me out. And I don't know whether it's because it's such a slow burn right. into it and or the idea that this car can just rip into someone's house and just take you out like yeah. that, you know. But, uh, you know, it, it really it really affected me as a kid. And it's always stayed with me in this scene. It's a really good scene. It's very Hitchcockian, I think. Okay, yeah, it is. No, it's, no, it's a good. It's a good. It builds suspense well, um, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of the flash of light that's seen in the background when the officer's watching the marching band. It doesn't draw yeah. attention mm-hmm. to it. It's just there in the background. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't think she'd be killed. Neither did I. That's a shock, isn't yeah, it? When I didn't uh, think they'd kill her. I thought she'd just get yeah. out. She'd be okay. And you're you, because you know traditionally speaking, he would save her somehow, and and they'd go off together at the end of the movie. Yeah, they? yeah, but no, she's flat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, she's not. I'm not. You know, I don't mean to sound mean or anything, but she's not much of a loss, really, was she? I mean, she of all the characters in this movie, you could argue she's the least developed. Yeah, she's you know she's the, just quirky. That's it. The I mean, the wife beating guy, he's more developed than her. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, the the beaten wife is probably more developed than 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 her. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know. Uh, okay, so I should talk about before the house is destroyed. What is it with the oil painting of Brolin in the house? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh, did you notice that that when they all go when they're all in the house after after she's dead? Right. And there's that long, protracted scene when no one says anything and he's feeling the grief. He's walking through the wreckage and he looks at it. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of turns away from it as if to say, oh, God. Why, why is it there? <laughs> it's weird. Like, all the other paintings are just kind of hidden away in the background. That's on a pedestal facing the it camera. to show how much she loved him. Yeah, it's weird. It is a bit weird, yeah. <laughs> It's very 70s. Maybe it's in his contract. Maybe all his films have oil paintings in them of himself. Well, James Brolin. Yeah, that'd be a great gimmick, wouldn't it? You know, funny fact about James Brolin, he's the Bond that never was. Remember? That's right, yeah. Yeah, he was signed on for at least three weeks to be an octopusy. Wow. Let's just have, Until a, Roger Moore let's have a moment of silence to think about that. <laughs> have you ever seen the screen test I haven't it's on one of the blu-rays I should check it out it is it's on the octopus okay. blu-ray yeah I should check it out it's interesting it's interesting he's, he's, he's not even attempting an accent oh, <laughs> alright so um, this is a point when the house is destroyed and Wade finds her dead that Luke also mm-hmm. puts forward the theory that the car was acting in revenge for the insults that Lauren gave it Mm-hmm. Although, so it's personal. Though. Yeah, it's personal. But Luke wasn't at the gravesite. How does he know that Lauren was insulting it? Maybe his sister told him. 
okay, I'll accept that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll accept that. That's fine. So then Way concocts a plan to stop the car by burying it mm-hmm. beneath an explosion in some canyons. But Way discovers the car is in his garage. And this is a great scene, I thought. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I guess you didn't. No, no, it is good. It is good. I just wanted to, wanted to play. It's the it's the way the car plays with him when he's trying to get out. Right. You know, he's he's kind of in this confined space, and it kind of edges forward, then edges back, and it's like, go on, go on, go on. You can go. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's teasing you know, him. It's up again. Yeah. As again, again, it illustrates the fact that this car, this in our, you know, this object, it's a character. It's a real character in this movie. Right. You know. Right. It's re- it's really well defined and and written and drawn out. This character, I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think it's pretty good. He tries to gas him as well. Yes, right. That's true. Yeah, so it's really got it in for him. Well, did you notice that in the one of the very that very first scene, going back to the the start of the movie with Lauren, when he wakes Wade up in bed, right, and then he goes to wake up his kids, he does a Nazi accent when he pulls the covers off the. Off the bed. Oh, no. really? Re- <laughs> oh, my God. Is that too much? Yeah, just, much? just a tad. Just a, very, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Have I lost you now? Yeah. Have I lost you? Oh, are, I was doing all right. Are you writing a book? <laughs> I am, yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. So Wade lead, leads it out into the canyon, doesn't he? Right, so they have a plan mm-hmm. to trap the machine using the Amos's explosives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to lure him to the edge of a cliff and bait the car into running straight up and then jump aside so it goes over the cliff, right? It's a, it's a great stunt. It's a very good stunt, and this is the link to Knight Rider because a lot of okay. people believe that the footage from the car going over the cliff is the one that is used in the Trust Doesn't Rust episode. Really? But I have viewed both, and I don't think it is. You put the hours in. I put the hours in. (laughs) I don't think it is, because the one on... You've done it so we don't have to. Right. The one on Trust Doesn't Rust has an ocean, and there's no ocean in this film. Also, the angle is totally different. I do do remember that that they they don't look the same. Yeah, they don't. I don't. I was very excited, and I hoped they would, because it'd be a great like tie-in between the two, but I don't think they are. No. They look very similar. Similar. They get the, they're shot from a very similar angle. Uh, different camera position, though, but yeah. The idea is... But below the camera, yeah, 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 yeah. but, yeah. but going the other yeah. way. So I, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, no. Well, <laughs> no. We could also say that maybe, maybe the Knight Foundation made car. Right, you've been saying that for everything we've done so far. You said the Blue Thunder helicopter was created by them. This is it's a sentient car that thinks it's from the devil. So, you know, okay. it could be, you know. All right. So it's blown up. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Boom, yeah. Uh, boom. Car goes boom. Boom, and then there's... And then we, we, get, we get a face in the fire. We do. And you have to laugh at their reaction, the faces of the officers looking at it. <laughs> the way that, it, made, it did make me laugh. I have to admit, that's priceless. Or is it a bit like? It's a bit like, oh, oh, is that it? <laughs> no, it was like someone had said to him, 
there's like an image of the devil and that's what you can see now is a face of the devil so act like you're seeing the face of the devil action <laughs> funnily enough james brolin's face doesn't really change throughout the entire movie no that's does true it? that's true <laughs> that's true that's the end. We get the sunrise. Sunrise, and... but we see the car driving through L.A., so we don't know if the car mm-hmm. survived or not, but we think it might have. Well, it's supernatural. Supernatural. It's spooky. Yeah. It's a spooky car. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So I, I don't even know if there's a point asking this question, but um, <laughs> do you think it should go on a Better Back Then hit list? Is it a hit I do list? indeed. Yeah, of course you do. I think yeah, this is a hit for me. It's it's a film that I always enjoy. I think it's um, I think it, it looks great. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got a good atmosphere. It, I, I said again, it, I think it, I find it very Hitchcockian at times, and I think it's just good fun. It's just it's a fun little movie that no one remembers really. <laughs> right. And um, and it's got little uh, as you say, little character, you know quirks in there that, that are there if you really want to look for them yeah. and you can clearly see that you know the, the, the people making it you know took their time with it and, and tried to do something that, that was slightly above the, the slocky nature of what it really was right. you know I, I, yeah I think it's good what do you think it's a cheap ripoff of Jaws absolutely yeah. the car is the best actor in it <laughs> But I actually enjoyed it. It's entertaining. Wow, you enjoyed a horror movie. I I guess it's a horror movie. I don't really see it as a horror movie. It kind of feels like Spielberg's Duel. I don't see that as a yeah, horror it's, film. I think it's a it's it's a action adventure stroke horror movie, yeah. isn't well, it? What makes it's... it a horror film for you? Like, why would you describe it as a horror film? I suppose the demonic elements of it, you know, the particularly the scene where it, it crashes through the house and kills Lauren. I think that's a quite a you know right. a very horror moment. You know, remind that that the, there's a lot of moments in this that remind me of the birds. Actually, you know, the slow build moments where you see the car coming in the background reminded me of you know Tippy Hedren sitting in the in the playground and the birds slowly gathering around her and and there's no soundtrack to it you know it's it's very similar to this to this i think so there's that horror aspect right now I how think. do you think this compares to say Christine <laughs> you know I, I, if i had a choice mm-hmm. i would probably prefer this to Christine but then i would say Christine is probably the better story okay but i think this is the this is the more fun i would say Okay. I think this 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 movie's more fun than Christine. Because Christine is 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 a very serious, I think, kind of horror. It's, it's it Christine is definitely a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a little bit more fun yeah. to it, I think. Right. So I, for me it's a hit and it go on our hit list. For you it is too, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what everyone else thinks. Yeah. I guess that's it for us on retrospection. Thank you for listening. My name's Colin. And I'm Paul. And join us on our next podcast and we'll be taking a look at Transformers the Movie. No, not that one. We're talking about the 1986 animated feature. So thank you for listening. And so long, folks. So long. Funny smell upstairs. I don't know what it is. Bet me ballcock. <laughs>